0: This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. It's Jeff, it's Eric, it's Drew with you here on Wednesday, September 15th in the evening. Gentlemen, it is now official. UCF is a member of the Big 12 Conference. Or not yet, They will be in 20, and no later than 2024. Uh, and we got football, Friday Night Football to preview um, with Louisville. It's, uh, it's a busy, uh, again, it's a busy show. We got lots to talk about. Bryce Turner is going to be by with us later. But uh, first, let's talk about what is happening on the field uh, with UCF football. 63 points against Bethune-Cookman uh, on Saturday. Started off a little bit slow, hit the, hit the gas pedal a little bit later. I thought that, you know, we learned some things that I, I think a little bit more about what Gus wants to do offensively and also a little bit defensively as well, which you tend to do in a, uh, in a game where, you know, you eventually throw in your scout teamers, but um Eric, I'll start with you. You know, two and zero start. Can't
1: argue with that.
0: You know, one against a pretty good opponent. One against FCS. I know how you thought it would. Kept saying, "I was, was a, a look." It, it was a
1: good practice. Good practice. It's never nothing wrong we, with having a good practice. What did we? What did we learn? What do we learn? We haven't learned anything yet. We've learned. We're going to start learning things this Friday. That's what we're going to start learning. Uh, I wouldn't. I didn't learn a darn thing from Saturday except yeah, they scored a lot of points on a FCS team. I'm fascinated by this game. I'm curious how this team will respond on the road. I think this, the one thing I will say we've learned, I think this defense is better. It's better than it was last year. They're not giving up chunk of yardage. I know Drew will get into maybe still has some tackling issues, and that certainly could be a factor Friday night against Malik Cunningham at Louisville. But I do think this defense is better, Drew. It's much more sound, at least through two games. I will say that's what we I've seen. Like under 300 yards in defensively they haven't it seems like they know their assignments even if they haven't executed it perfectly
2: well they they don't give up the big play as much as last year last year they were, they were generally kind of lost but i think part of that problem was just the setup you had a, a nickel defense running constantly you had two linebackers that were just covering too much too much real estate and then you had too much youth in the defensive backfield that just really were out of position this year uh the defensive backfield is still having a lot of problems but they're being compensated for by a defensive front that's able not making sacks but causing QB hurries and throwaways that are really helping mitigate some of the the, the flaws that we're seeing in the defensive backfield they're playing incredibly soft they're keeping everything in front of them which yeah that takes away the deep ball but they're getting underneath they're doing cross routes uh, slants and they're con- you know Bethune Cookman converted a lot of third downs I mean ridiculous amount of third downs and that's got to be concerning because that's not an offense that should have been doing what they were doing
0: yeah i want to bring up that uh that number that you were uh specifically talking about third down conversions bethune was 7 of 15 um and, and what of like one on fourth out, downs as well
2: i'd like to point out that um uh, they were over 50 percent in the first half it wasn't until later in the game when uh when they just when the
0: defense really started teeing off on him yeah yeah
2: and they, they ran out of off that offense just kind of gassed out you know the you saw the difference in the depth and the talent and they just couldn't keep up and that's when they you know, they started getting three and outs and stuff but before that they were converting a lot of third downs it was they were actually out uh converting ucf early. you know from for a good chunk of that game
0: uh, some key uh, individual numbers. Dylan Gabriel was 23 of 36 for 312 and two touchdowns. He was sacked once. Um, Trillian Coles was actually the leading rusher 11 carries, 78 yards, and mop up duty, including a touchdown. Good for him. Came back from that Achilles injury um, and, uh, and had himself a really good game. Isaiah Bowser, 59 yards a is that a school record time for touchdowns drew school
2: record time but no one ever did it in one half
0: right he Uh, did it in one he did
2: it one half but I also want to throw out that Trillian Coles had a receiving touchdown as well yeah Uh, so I mean, you know that 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 kid's been been chomping at the bit you know missed 2019 with a ruptured Achilles uh, bad injury to come back from and, and just absolutely tore it up uh, it was funny. He was the last guy in, inter, you know, post-game interviews, and no one recognized who he was. <laughs> it was it was the weirdest moment. Poor Trill. And, oh, That's I, I not fair. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it kind of came out of nowhere. We thought, you know, Big Cat Bryant was the last guy. We thought it was done. And all of a sudden, Trillian Coles comes out, and we're like, uh, but, you know, I got to give Brandon Helwig, at, you know, with, with uh, UCS Sports a lot of credit. He handled that really well and really got the ball rolling on a good set of interviews.
0: Yeah. Um, one of the things I thought that was a little bit interesting was clearly Bethune Cookman's game plan was we're not going to bother really trying to run the ball at all. Uh, we're just going to try and throw and we're going to get the ball out quick. And their quarterback, Shannon Patrick, I thought did a pretty good job of throwing in rhythm and hitting guys and hitting guys, you know, in rhythm right off the bat. He was 27 to 48 for 238 two touchdowns, one bad interception that he threw on, um, on kind of a broken play. But, but Drew, did you see, did you see that too? I I mean, I thought that they did that for the most part, they pretty much executed their game plan pretty well in terms of trying to pick on guys by getting, by throwing, getting the ball out quick. That worked.
2: Well, if, uh, if, if you recall, one of the things that, that we talked about in the, in the game preview was expect them to throw the ball a lot. They were going to be playing from behind for starters, which usually means more passing. And, you know, UCF's front line just absolutely was, you know, so much stronger than, than Bethune's uh, offensive line. And, you know, run offense, when, uh, the run offense requires the O-line to have explosive blocking, which is a strength characteristic. And they didn't have the strength to go up against UCF's defensive line. Pass defense, uh, pass blocking is agility based, and smaller guys tend to have that agility and can hold the pocket in for a couple seconds. Add that to the soft coverage that the defensive backs of UCF were giving, and you had a lot of underneath stuff that was really quick. They did a lot of crossovers, you know, coming in, you know, in slants and slants and and plays like that. A lot of stops and and hooks and and, and comebacks. So basically, a, a lot of things that that utilized that gap that the secondary was giving them and you know there was at times where it looked like they were going to start pressing the coverage a bit and then they they stopped and you know i would have figured against bethune would be the chance to uh, you know try new things like eric says you know it's a it's a scrimmage it was not a scrimmage but it's a where, scrimmage i mean come on. You- <laughs> what what terrible
1: program would lose to an fcs pro oh never mind Ooh, ooh,
2: oh, oh, was that too soon for that? Who Florida started that State. game by oh when the one that McKenzie Melton started, by the way? Ooh. Oh, Florida State. Ooh, man. Too soon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> too soon.
1: <laughs> well,
2: a- let's, anyway. let's spin this forward.
0: Let, let's spin this forward a second here. So UCF plays Louisville Friday night. Uh 7:30 Eastern kick on ESPN. Um, Louisville Louisville's one and one. They beat Eastern Kentucky 30 to 3 last week. Lost to Ole Miss on ESPN in uh, in Atlanta, 4324. Um the line right now is UCF by seven. 76% of the money is on that. Over under 67 and a half, 61% on the over. Um and and the key for Louisville right now has been um has been their quarterback uh, to this point, Malik Cunningham, who's uh throwing 61%. Uh, 469 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and then he's the team's second leading rusher with 108 total yards and four rushing touchdowns. So uh, I'll ask the both of you guys, and, and Drew, I want to start with you. Where, where does what we've seen fit in against Louisville? Like, what do you what do you have to do against a quarterback like that, Drew?
2: Well, I mean, Cunningham is, is a very quick quarterback. I mean, he's not a Lamar Jackson, but he's kind of a, a poor man's, uh, scaled down version uh, you you may have to end up spying a little bit because you know, you're going to have you know the the defensive line trying to crash that pocket which is going to usually leave the middle of the field open a little bit now that you're running more of a 4-3 with two locked in linebackers and that flex night position uh, you may have to move around and and spy a little bit more because he's so you know prone to tuck and run uh, the the they're gonna have to put pressure on and, and the key and and the key really is is to to come around the back of the on the pocket of those defensive ends uh we know that Traymon Morris Brash is back with the team we don't know what his playing status is but he's back with the team so I mean there's a possibility he could find the field Friday but you know you need someone not only just big cat Bryant, but you need someone on the other side and you know, Anthony Montalvo was, is a good defensive tackle. Hasn't quite translated as a defensive end. And uh, it's, you know, him coming on the, the quarterback's right side, you know, that's traditionally a side of strength. Uh, it could lead to problems with tucking and running, you know, just going around that right side when the pocket starts to move. Eric, what
0: you you watched Cunningham in that game against Ole Miss. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. What did you, what, what, challenge does he present this defense
1: well he's a dual threat quarterback and I think that's what I'm fascinated about is UCF in recent past has struggled against dual threat quarterbacks and if they want to win the America Conference Championship odds are they're going to have to go through a dual threat quarterback Desmond Ritter who has killed UCF so I think to me this is a good test you know with Cunningham he's a great athlete the thing with Malik right now doesn't have a ton around him. A lot of youth around him. Not a great running game right now. I mean, Jalen Mitchell is their big back, but really Malik has been more a you know kind of their their guy in the goal line and touchdowns. The receiving game, you know, they got a young receiver and you know Josh Johnson, Bruce Huggins is a freshman, so. I think they're still trying to sort themselves out. Scott Satterfield, the head coach, there's a lot of pressure on him because of last year he took the interview at South Carolina and kind of admitted that. So uh, they had a down year last year. Defensively, they kind of got torched by Ole Miss, but a lot of teams get torched by Ole Miss. But to me, we're going to learn a lot about this UCF defense. I want to see how they handle the dual threat in Cunningham and the approach that Travis Williams will have for a player like Cunningham because – Under Randy Shannon, UCF had no answers for any dual threat quarterbacks during his time here.
2: They never adjusted. Uh, Exactly. That's what it came down to, is the Shannon defense never adjusted for a running quarterback. And as a result, they had room to run every nickel defenses are not built to handle running quarterbacks. And so they would, he gets outside the pocket. He had a, they would have a lot of real estate and and Desmond Ritter more than anyone else just had a field day.
0: Weather is going to be really warm in Louisville, it's going to be uh, low 80s at kickoff. Sunny, no rain in the forecast. Flipping over to the offensive side of the ball, Dylan Gabriel obviously has been has you know worked out quite a few of the kinks. That 44 yard touchdown run, by the way, that he had on on a, on a on a on a straight leaving the pocket scramble wasn't a design run at all. Um, was one of the most impressive touchdown runs I think I've ever seen by a UCF player. I mean, because he ran pretty much about 120 yards.
2: Not only that but uh coach Malzahn told him to go out of bounds. Just go out <laughs> yeah. of bounds. Go out of bounds.
0: Get Get bounds. What are you doing? I <laughs> thought he was going to go out of bounds but he found the lane down the sideline and he ran it in untouched.
2: Untouched. Um, uh, and that's that's where your block, you know, you know no block no rock. No th- those downfield players man they yeah. never gave up on on blocking and that's what really sprung that run. Yeah.
0: And we saw some of his speed too which I don't think you know people fully appreciate but um Rushing production right now, uh, and I find this interesting, UCF right now is 11th in the country in, uh, in total rushing um, It through the first two games. And, yes, I know, all right, I know, Bethune-Cookman, all right? But this is what we wanted to see, right? 573 yards a game right now, seventh in the country in total offense through two games uh 15th and pass or 15th and passing 17th and running but this is this is the run first team that Gus likes to run and that runs tempo right so how does that spin forward against uh against Louisville's defense because I'm looking at their statistics right now for the Cardinals and they've struggled against the run they are giving up their uh are 92nd in the country in total defense giving up 402 yards a game and that's by the way also having played and an FCS opponent and rushing defense they're giving up 70 uh, they're 71st passing yards allowed 102nd so they're really struggling on defense right now are you licking your chops if you're DG right now
2: oh absolutely um you know and while UCF suffers from the same thing there's always a bit of trepidation when your leading tackler is a defensive back uh, that means a little you're, bit. you're always <laughs> that's never of, a good sign. You no, know, and unfortunately, UCF has the same problem. Uh, Quadric Bullard leads the team in tackles with 16. Uh, granted, the next three guys, oh, next wow, five players are all linebackers or defensive linemen. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, Louisville Cardinals, Kendrick Duncan Jr. leads their their tackles with 16 so far. Uh, a Georgia Southern transfer, still relatively new to the program. This is his first year there, but. You, you always have to be concerned from on a defensive standpoint when your defensive backs are doing that much work and having to come up. Uh, this is a great opportunity to let the run set up the pass, which worked beautifully against Boise State. They actually didn't run nearly as much uh, until garbage time against Bethune-Cookman. You know, Isaiah Bowser only had, what, 70-something yards for, for the game. It, it was not, you know, blowed up. This, you know, even though he had four touchdowns, uh, they didn't really have to over-utilize him.
0: 59 rushing yards.
2: 59, okay. Trillian Coles was the one in the 70s.
0: Yeah, Trillian had uh, 78.
2: And he was the, the leading rusher. So, I mean, when you look at it, uh, I, I think you're going to see uh, a, a bit of running in the early downs, and then you're just going to see them start to, to go out, uh, up top and just make those defensive backs work.
0: Nine different guys recorded rushes for UCF against... Bethune Cookman, um, Eric, your your side of it. I, I if your UCF's offense, you know, th- this is this is a golden opportunity on the road. This is not the Louisville defense that we saw in 2013 (laughs) there's nothing
2: like this from 20 there's nothing no there isn't like this no there isn't
1: that's no there isn't which is why it's very likely that unlike they will not reach the 2.2 million viewers that it did in 2013 in a Friday night game uh I'll take the under in that but I will say this I'll caution this this is the first time the UCF is on the road and will have a, a crowd to deal with in what, two years? Really? Like 2019. Yeah. Right. Like who, who do they go on the road? I mean, they, I guess Georgia tech had some fans, but that's what I mean. Fans I'm talking like full state, you know,
2: uh, full, full allowed stadium.
1: Yeah. Not like, you know, 10% capacity or 20%. So, you know, there is a, an adjustment there. Will they be affected by that? Not having noise against them offensively for the first time and could that result in some penalties for a first road game which sometimes we see with teams commit some penalties false starts things like that because they're on the road I think that's the one thing I will caution that secondly Louisville 34 minutes time of possession it's kind of weird because they don't go slow but what they do is they do a lot of dinking and dunking so do they try to play keep away from UCF those are the two things I would worry about uh, from that side of the ball
2: if they're smart, yeah, because that's actually where UCF's at their worst is the yeah. preventing of the dinking and dunking. I mean, that's what kept Bethune-Cookman on the field. I do want to point out that the lat that their prior game last week against uh what's it Eastern Kentucky, yeah. they only had forty thousand fans there. So I, mean, it's well, I, know,
1: right, right, they're, 40- down,
2: they're they're down from what you know what they used they used to be throwing sixty thousand on a regular basis. This is obviously a program that's. Been going through a lull. Well, there's a lot of scrutiny.
1: There's a lot of negativity there because of Scott Satterfield interviewing at South Carolina. They had a bad year last year. You make a great point. I think the key here, if UCF can get off to a fast start, I think this crowd will turn on Louisville. Uh, They had a terrible showing against Ole Miss. If they get off to a bad start, I think Scott Satterfield could be in some hot water if they don't turn things around this year because, I don't know, people take offense to it if you interview for another job. I mean, go go figure it if it comes public. So you make a couple of good points there, Drew. The crowd, while it will be bigger, as long as UCF gets to a good start, they could take it out of the game in more ways than one.
2: Well, as a fan, wouldn't you be upset if your head coach openly admitted that he interviewed for another job? I mean, that, I, that's – that goes without saying. I remember uh, I, no, apparently
1: we well, you can also get mad apparently if you wear a tie of a different color, but that's older story we want to get to. Or just
2: a shirt? Maybe. Um, uh, like <laughs> I was, was going to say a red did white checkered shirt. I
0: was going to say UC's last true road game was November the 23rd at Tulane, 34-31 win in front of only 21,000 people. Um the one prior to that was the Tulsa loss 34-31. Go. Um, in front of 16,331. Um, Cardinal Stadium, by the way, in uh, uh, it, formerly known as Papa John's Stadium, but
2: uh, oh, 60, part of the Howard Schnellenberger
0: Football Complex, interestingly enough. <laughs>
2: um,
0: so yeah. Uh, um, by the way, one other thing I wanted to point out: the um, uh, the last of UCF's last six losses, six regular season losses. Four of them have been on the road by a combined eight points.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, outside of the BYU bowl game, which mm-hmm. obviously we, which wasn't could,
0: a true road game. I, that's it that's was a, a neutral, neutral, it's a neutral site. game,
2: it's a neutral site yeah. game. But I mean that's the only game in the Josh Heipel era that they lost by one more than one score. Um, every game's been close, you know. And yeah. you know, even during the Scott Frost era during 2017, there was a lot of 50-50 moments where you just needed a lucky bounce or, or whatnot. And you know, in 2019 those that luck kind of ran out and then it just kind of opened up in 2020. But I mean, how many games in the Josh Heupel era were one play away from being a win that ended up being a loss? I mean there was a um, good number of- well
1: well the good news for Josh is you won't have to worry about that at Tennessee because he'll lose by more than one score.
2: Well, yeah, he's going to be playing against. He has less talent to work well, with yeah. than we're playing against. The Although he lost there.
1: a pit again, by the way, we he, we lost a pit by pit seven. The bugaboo, man. Yeah, you know, pit is <laughs> Josh Typel's, Hey, they didn't Josh have to Typel's do a pit this man. time. No, no, that's
0: um, right. That's right. So, uh, like we said, it's a seven-point UCF uh, line. Started at seven and a half, by the way. Moved down a
2: little bit. Well, just remember three points traditionally goes to the home team so that that's really more of kind of a 10 point expectation yeah. in reality I, mean,
0: I, I think it might be closer than that i th- I'm, but i'm not surprised that ucf is the
1: favorite but it jumped that um, started at nine at some places uh so you know
2: depends I mean, I mean, on cardinal you... stadiums a tough place to play even with it less is. than a it full is. house it's not an easy stadium to play at uh, yeah i mean we remember 2013 when they were going absolutely bananas but that was a, a, a top 10 team but even even during the downtime it's still not an easy place so you know this, oh, wait, will, what be, it, what this it, will be a what, test
0: all, all, what all it, time by the way louisville is 139
2: at all yeah but
1: there's one you know one of those 39 losses came against 2013, 2013. how many what do you think the over under is on the friday night telecast they bring up the 13 game with the highlights there two two Once. what do you think oh only once?
0: They'll probably just recap it coming out of a break.
2: My boy, our boy Jason Benetti. With Wait, it's the- going to come up at least once. That, that's a. Guarantee. It's going to come up
0: once. The over/under is one and a half.
2: One and a half. I'm I like it. Go, one and a half. I'm going to go two. with the over on that. All right. That, that, that I, I think two is a little bit of a right, low. So, so you're three. saying
0: more than more than one time they show a highlight from that game?
2: I think the probably I think two is is reasonable. I, I think there's enough. There's probably going to be enough. Like we need to fill space time that you know. But, you can probably do that.
0: I think they'll yeah. probably show it, show it like once coming out of a break, like last time UCF was here, you know, and then I the portables the, this, how the, the, the game Jeff Godfrey and everything. The I, great I storm was- Johnson run, which is one of my favorite unsung UCF plays of all time, where he pulled the Dylan Gabriel and ran basically across cut back across the entire field. That was uh, a one
2: play drive. If I remember.
0: Yeah, it was right after right. right we, we scored, got the fumble on the kickoff
1: and then scored again.
0: And that's what got us back into it.
2: So. Oh man, good memories. Good one memories. of the
1: most, one of the most significant wins in the history of the UCF football program. It propelled them to win the American Conference when it was eligible for the BCS and play in the Fiesta Bowl and beat Baylor against a, yeah. t- a talented Louisville team that has Teddy Bridgewater, Devonte Parker. Was, among hey, others. that
0: was that was the that was the one year of UCF's first year in the American. The one year when the American had a beat automatic BCS bowl bid, yeah. and you guys remember louisville was the prohibitive favorite
1: oh uh, that was hands out. down oh yeah because they had they just were the, they right because the, the, year, both, favorite to the year before the they league. had blown out florida in the sugar yep. bowl so there
0: was a teddy, lot of hype and yep. teddy b was the star and charlie Strong's stock was as high as as it was and they were the people had basically penciled in louisville to be the uh to be the big east represent or the american athletic conference representative in the bcs and then UCF came and spoiled the party. Correct so.
2: me if I'm wrong. I believe Louisville was ranked sixth going into that game. And they we're in the top 10. I, I think they were sixth. The qu- The question is which number six win becomes bigger? Was it the Louisville one or the Baylor one?
0: Oh, you, I mean, mean you could already I mean, had be at them ranked eighth.
1: Yeah, I got, well, yeah, I had them at 8 too. but top 10 is Nord. But here's the thing. I would say the Louisville game's bigger, and I know that's controversial because the Baylor and the bowl game, people put too much stock on bowl games. If you don't beat Louisville, you don't get a chance to play Baylor. It's that simple because Louisville would have won the league. So to me, without Louisville, you don't have the the Baylor opportunity. That's why I always maintain that the South Florida win in 17 is bigger than the Auburn game because without the South Florida win, you don't get a chance to play Auburn. So – and I do. I just put more stock in regular season college football than bowl games. And you have to get there. And that Louisville game again. And, and there, I mean, not that we're going to delve into that team. You know, there's a an ESPN Plus doc, you know doc, a series currently on the current UCF team. They should do a documentary on that era. You, people forget that season for UCF. They it almost didn't happen. Like they almost weren't eligible. If you remember, UCF yes. uh, appealed. Uh, NCAA uh, uh, violations against them. In 2012, they were supposed to serve a year of probation because of the scandal. What was it? it was the uh, it wasn't thing. a probation?
2: It was the year of a, it was a bowl ban.
1: Bowl ban. Thank you. Bowl ban because of what happened with the in, with some illegal recruiting and stuff going on. And so UCF they were supposed to skip the bowl ban in 2012, but UCF decided to appeal, which was a very controversial decision because people are like, "What are you talking about? This is your last year in conference," you would say. Take the bowl ban. The NCAA never win, uh, uh, you know you never win an appeal against the NCAA very rarely. Why would you put this risk going into a year where you could play in theory in a BCS bowl game? But they appealed and they won the appeal, so they were eligible in twenty thirteen. If they lose that appeal, oh my goodness!
2: Oh, yes. this would have Ooh. been a catastrophic. This would have been Ohio State twenty twelve. Exactly. You, know, you, you, you win it all and you can't do anything. But I, and, I and George O'Leary Auburn, and
1: Auburn ninety three.
2: And then you, you know what? 93. And I'm going to yeah. tell you
1: that. I'm going to tell you this: if they lose that appeal, George O'Leary's legacy is completely different than it is now yeah. because he would have taken a lot of blame for that, and I think he would have taken a his his legacy would have been a very negative. I mean, look, there's some negativity as it is with some fan base. I think it would have been a majority if that appeal gets lost. That's a huge decision that kind of people should not forget in UCF history. Yeah.
2: Okay, I checked real quickly. Uh, Louisville was eighth in the AP poll. They were sixth in the coaches and the Harris poll in that game. Oh,
1: the Harris poll. Listen, if we would have beaten South Carolina, I think we win the Harris poll national title.
2: <laughs> um, I, Well, the Harris, the Harris poll was required to do. I remember for, that for the BCS. In fact, yeah, I remember that. Charles Davis was like one of the voters in that. I do yeah, and they didn't have a final poll after January. Uh, their last poll was the last BCS rankings. Yeah. so I, the, the coaches and, and the AP were the, the two, but you're right. Um, that, that was because that the
0: Associated game. Press had instructed the BCS that to pouncing our rankings anymore.
2: Yeah, go pound Sam, we don't want to work with you anymore.
0: Yeah. Um, takes us to our next little segment of what's been going on uh, talking about going on in UCF land of late. And uh, there are some reports off of Brandon Helwig's message board, UCFsports.com, that UCF may be undergoing a change in its apparel contract. Now this is the final year that UCF is involved with Nike. Uh, That contract is up and there's, and Brandon is reporting some of his sources are saying that a move to Adidas may be imminent. Uh, for UCF nothing has been nothing has been officially announced or reported yet but there's a lot of reaction on social media right now and a large and a large percentage of that reaction is quite um, negative toward the possibility of UCF moving back to Adidas who they had as a a, a apparel partner from what was it drew about 2005 2004 through
2: 2010
0: right when George O'Leary got there through 2010 of course there was the the, the Marcus Jordan air Jordans flap and Adidas basically dropped UCF at the time, uh, at the time Nike swooped in uh, for the rescue. Um, UCF has been a Nike school since, um, but there's a possibility now that they may go over to uh, Adidas. Now, it, interesting to note, uh, Arkansas state under Terry Mahajer was an Arcan- was an Adidas school. Um, the, like I said, the reaction. We read a poll on Black and Gold Banneret's uh, uh, Twitter account, and <clears throat> just uh, curious about the uh, about what fans are really thinking. So there were four options in this poll. Um, th- th- this was the question. Let's settle this. The options were Nike, Adidas, whoever pays more, and I don't care at all. Whoever pays more got forty eight point seven percent of the vote. Nike got thirty seven point nine percent. Adidas three point four percent. I don't care ten percent. Now, Drew, you are an equipment guru. You jersey uh, guru. You're a jersey guru. I you, may you have know, a couple of,
2: here at the house. You know, literally,
0: you have you have a few hundred. You know more about this than anyone else I know. All right, um, so. What is the situation that we've been able to glean so far regarding Nike, what UCF gets from Nike right now, and then you know, what would be the reason that UCF would, would switch?
2: Well, let's first turn back the clock. Let's go back to that whole 2009-2010 Jordan uh, shoe issue. And, hmm. and it's well documented that the regional reps that UCF worked with Said yes, he can wear those shoes and we'll still be good. And it was because he's Michael Jordan's son, he's Michael Jordan's son. And in the Grand seems States, like a very reasonable
0: a thing to accommodate.
2: It wasn't a big deal. Uh, overseas in Germany, you know, higher ups got very butthurt over it and basically said, You do this, we're dropping you. And, and they did. UCF was in the was in the, about to start, didn't even actually technically start it yet, was about to start a new three million dollar. Uh, apparel contract and and that that dollar number is a little bit misleading that's not necessarily cash that that's product you know they're they're which i guess in the end three million dollars worth kind of, of stuff yeah and it kind of ends up being similar in the fact that if, if you get a really expensive apparel deal you don't have to pay out of pocket to buy stuff and, and that's where the issues with with nike come into play but you know UCF had had a, a pretty good deal you know, being a small school in Conference USA, not really, you know, hadn't really made the jump yet, still hadn't had that first bowl win. They got that later, you know, the next season. And we don't know if a redesign was in order under that new contract because it never actually got off the ground. It got dropped before it got started. So, you know, 2010, UCF's desperate. They're calling everyone. and It's not Nike swooped into the rescue. Well, let's make that very clear no one's no 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 michael jordan uh in intervention here they they flat out did not happen this was a case ucf reached out to russell ucf reached out to under armor ucf reached out to nike and ultimately went with nike on a very low end base deal I, it, what it came down to is generally just discounts on on apparel i mean there was there was really next to no uh money uh to, you know value to it it was it was about like baseline. Nike as baseline wasn't exactly
0: get... shelling out dollars to UCF oh to not at all and on.
2: they're still not and that's where this problem is really coming up is uh they they don't value UCF UCF still working on a on basically a lower tier you know contract and and there's been no real uh urgency on Nike's part to to really up the ante whereas you know as we're hearing through through the rumor mill, Adidas is, is kind of rolling out the red carpet for UCF. And I can understand why. There's three things working for. it. One, it's a huge school. You know, UCF, 72,000 uh, students right now, over 300,000 living alumni. They're young. The average age is about 38 or so. I'm 38. I'm the average I'm age. Uh, <laughs> we're that, we're that, average. We are average people. We are, we are unremarkable. <laughs> but, And they're seeing, and it's, you know, you're seeing growth. They're seeing this as a long-term relationship. You know, this would probably be like a 10, 12 year contract. So they're, you know, Adidas is looking at this from a, from a long-term grow with me standpoint and.
0: Big 12 too.
2: Yeah. And you're going to the big 12. There's, there's added value on top of that. Uh, I don't know if that's going to change Nike's perspective of UCF, but at least coming into this, uh, they didn't, they don't think much of, of UCF. They really don't. Uh, it's not coincidence that you can't find products. I mean, granted, no one else can find Nike product right now. But yeah, there's a lot of problems. supply
0: chain issues the world over because of COVID. And, right, but and Nike's happened, not alone in that, to be fair.
2: To be fair. But this happened before COVID. There was, you know, supply chain problems. Between you know, you go online, you're looking for something Nike related. It's sold out. Uh, that's not a 2020, we're you know, exclusive thing. That that's always been you know, somewhat of the case for anything you know, special other than the stock stuff. If you actually look at what UCF has in the bookstore, it's very generic. Their uniforms, outside of the 2016 redesign, I'll get to that in a moment, are very generic. There's nothing really to them. There's nothing special. The only reason why UCF has special uniforms for football is Scott Frost called in a favor to to Phil Knight you know, former CEO of Nike and said, hey, help me out. And so they did that one redesign on a template that was current at the time, has since become outdated technology, and nothing has changed since. Why? Because that was a favor to Scott Frost, not a favor to UCF. So they extended the current contract two more years, hence why it's expiring next year and not last year, which I I think actually is a blessing in disguise because there's more money now than there was in 2020 when you're in the middle of COVID and everyone's freaking out and things are going horribly wrong, you're in, going into 2022. Things are a lot more stable. You know, you've got the season that's going okay. Uh, I, I think that'll actually benefit UCF more, especially now with the, the Big 12 announcement under their belt. But when you look at it from a, from a whole standpoint, uh, UCF has a lot to potentially gain from this. And and don't get caught up in the dollar number. You, you, the big thing, because I mean, some schools do get some kickbacks and they get some bonuses based on things that they do. The big thing is, is the amount of equipment that they're given as part of it. Not, not a discount to buy, but that they're given. And so that's about as good as money because the school doesn't have to spend on it. I, I think one thing that we need to acknowledge, because a lot of UCF fans are recalling the old Adidas product, which the, the uniforms weren't great. But in the last six to seven years, Adidas product has skyrocketed in technology. They haven't caught Nike. Nike is always going to be the front runner in uniform technology. But uh, Adidas is, has made themselves respectable as far as the tech. A lot of people are not wild about the design. But if you're one of the elite schools, and that's one of the things that that has been rumored that UCF would be classified as, you get the new stuff, the, the better stuff, and adidas is going away from the that kind of garish looking diamond that a lot of the uh old you know lower level schools like usf are still getting but that's starting to erode away so i I think we need to go in this with a little bit of an open mind that this is a a different company as far as quality of of technology than the last time ucf did it so i would i'm not saying one way or the other i mean. As I said, I'm a Nike guy, but I want what's best for UCF. But I don't think we should automatically condemn Adidas for a past relationship that's over a decade old. Things have changed.
0: So what are what are the key things we're gonna to have to look for here? As as yeah, you know, I mean, I imagine that this were it, everything is very hush hush on this, understandably so, because this is a big business deal.
2: Yeah. And, uh, this, is, and, this is
0: this is this is much more hush hush than the big 12 obviously so, so kind what, of weird, what we weird. that is so weird and true at the same time I tell time. You, it's it, it's this is like like what dan Levitard calls it right eric is cold cold business
2: yeah you look at louisville's deal you know what was it um 12 years 160 million i mean that that's a lot that's of a cheese. Lot. uh you know the big 12 isn't saying hey you're getting 100 million by you know signing on with us so i mean there's there's different things you know different things at stake here And I can understand the hush-hushness because UCF's value with the conference is a lot different than UCF's value with an apparel, you know, manufacturer. Mm. Yeah. By
1: the way, uh, it's worth mentioning, uh, Brandon, we talked about, was on Mark Daniels' beat of sports on Wednesday. This topic came up. He he says that there could be a deal with that, whatever the decision UCF does, whether it be with Nike, Adidas, whatever – He thinks it'll be done right by the calendar year, basically by the end of this calendar year, uh, because it it needs to be correct. That's what he said. So just that's kind of the timetable on that. So uh, we'll see what happens. Look, I just want to let you guys know I have Adidas UCF gear and Nike gear in my in my in my closet. So I'm good either way.
2: I'd like to point out when UCF had Adidas for their football uniforms. I bought a UCF Nike shirt at the bookstore, uh, just because they're the uh, official apparel manufacturer and uniform manufacturer does not mean they're the exclusive. Uh, the UCF had Under Armour stuff. I mean, uh, UCF had you know um, some you know you know generic brands. I and mean, they just because they're the apparel designer does not mean that you're stuck having to buy Adidas. I know there's a lot of people who are brand loyal one way or the other. I've always been a Nike guy for shoes. I've been buying Nike since I was in grade school and, and they just seem to work for me, but I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I, I, I'll be willing to buy, you know, um, an Adidas Jersey, if need be, you know, if it comes to that, but you're right. It has to be done soon because if they change hands, you have to design stuff. Correct. Uh, that Correct. takes time. Correct. Well, it takes well, collaboration. One,
0: of, one thing that's that I think, uh Brandon did bring up and, and remind me too, Eric, because I listened to the same interview you did, was that you know people are always, one of the many things people are you know, concerned about is what happens with the space game uniforms. Those Correct. were designed by UCF.
1: Correct. In-house. Mm-hmm. Those weren't designed Correct. by Nike. And UCF can request that with anybody, Adidas, Nike, et cetera. So just because they don't, if they don't end up staying with Nike, does not mean that those jerseys necessarily go away.
2: Not only right. that, but they can have it made by a third party and just slap Adidas on there. Uh, they can do that. Interesting. I, I mean, uh, there's
0: now. What, what about the regular uniforms, though? Would, would did Nike actually design those in house, or to what extent do we it, did UCF collaborate with them? How, what do we know about that? It was a
2: collaboration. I remember when they first came out with the 2016 series. I'm mean, the Pegasus series is probably the best way to go, because you have the Pegasus series, you have the Nitro series. The Pegasus series, they did. They actually had a little web page built on it with a video and stuff, and it was a dual collaboration. Uh, you had Nike designers come to UCF and and you know talk about you know, learn about the school and things. That's why the Pegasus played a role in it, and you know they 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 went back and forth. But so that's the I said Pegasus before, on the
0: sleeve too, which I love. I, I just I love, that I love
2: it and I hate it. Um, I love that it's there. I hate that it's not pronounced enough. Uh, it's, it's meant to be very I subtle. I like that it's subtle. I, I actually, like, I would actually I like it when it's more pronounced on the white and the pewter jerseys, on the black and anthracite. It kind of disappears. It doesn't translate well to television. Um, all you can see is a little shine of something, but you really don't see the Pegasus. Uh, it shows up more on consumer product because, one, it's bigger, and, two, it's actually made differently than on the official official jerseys. But I would love to see like on a white jersey and a white away jersey have a black pegasus, you know, on the sleeve. Make it, make it part of the product, not just a little, little end piece, but make it a, a substantial part of the product. I mean, because it is UCF. And you know, before 2016, the rest of the world didn't know that. So I, I think we should take it up a notch.
0: Well. Again, we're going to have to monitor this as it goes by. It's, Drew's uh, got a so down pad, that. man. Huh? <laughs> Maybe we uh, should get Drew to collaborate with whoever it is. Right? Seriously. Absolutely. <laughs> Adidas, have him involved in it because nobody knows more about this than Drew. He, he has literally asked, has so
2: this gear in his closet.
0: To, <laughs> reach out to Stat Boy Drew on Twitter for all your latest on DripU. Um, I mean,
2: I, I may have uh, late night the other night kind of gone on a tangent with some of the old adidas and and older nike into newer nike talking about the evolution and stuff um so i i dare you yeah, all that find has, anybody that else has a video
0: blog written all yeah. over right there drew i'm telling you right now okay i gotta
2: I got pick up the office a little bit more i started making progress <laughs> and then life happened and I, I it's got to be a little cleaner before i do a full video blog on it i mean now nah, you, you guys have seen you, you phone, guys seen you guys know? in the office like,
1: well you better get to you better get to work on that because we you know we might this could be a, a night shift special here in a few this months happen quick yes so i'm <laughs> i mean I'm just down. for
2: for the hell of it i threw on both of the current nike jerseys today just uh to, just to see how they fit because we were talking about di- i was talking about different materials and uh i i gotta say the uh the nitro ones man they run small you know that's a double XL, and I normally wear a single XL, and it was. If I wore that with pads, I'd be I'd be wearing a double XL. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's a great way to end the segment right there. I'll Perfect. You, yeah. All mean, right, coming
0: mean. up next when we return, a <laughs> little bit more Big Twelve talk, Eric. We're going to talk about about the the move to the Big Twelve. Yeah, in all sports. Like, that's what right. Is it really going to affect, and Drew will be in on this too. And this should be an interesting little discussion about what's going to happen with. Not just football. Outside of football, for all UCF sports, stick around. We'll be right back. We're back. It's Jeff and Eric and Drew with you here on the Black and Gold Bannerette Podcast. And of course, last Friday it was made official, which we already have spoken about here on the Black and Gold Bannerette Podcast. But UCF will become a member of the Big Twelve Conference. How about that reveal? By the way, is Terry Mahajer just the best? In press conferences. I, I love
2: this guy. I mean, I he's absolutely. That's a he's love the type the of guy you just want to go hang out with. Yeah, he's just I, a regular a regular guy. He doesn't come off as overly corporate. Uh, now he probably is when he needs to be, but I mean, even at the board of trustees meeting when he's unveiling the 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 athletic vision plan that they have in place, even then he he's got this ability to to just make you want to run through a brick wall he did it then former football coach Uh, you're right he was a former football coach um player and i mean he's a great motivator and i mean just look at him on the sidelines you know he's not afraid to throw a giant fist pump on national tv
0: (laughs) or five or Or five that nearly took
2: his arm socket off
0: Uh, (laughs) um the uh, one of the things is obviously that we have analyzed from here until the cows come home about um, uh, about how this really affects UCF football. Obviously, and, and of course, we all agree that UCF should be a contender in the Big Twelve almost immediately in football when they join. No suit, no later than July first, twenty twenty four. Which, of course, is a very um, Couched way of saying, you know, we're kind of working on it here. Uh, but Eric, uh, you and I went through uh, analyzing UCF's moves in the Olympic sports, and I thought you did a really good job breaking it down on BlackAndGoldBanneret com. You can read it. Comparing the RPI rankings of conferences um, across across all the sports in UCF um that we that we could pro- possibly find so what were some of the interesting observations that you made about which
1: sports are going to benefit the most well i think well, i think it, it depends on your perspective but let's kind of start with so much talk of the football but to me it has to, it cannot be emphasized enough ucf men's basketball is entering arguably the number one conference in college basketball even with texas and oklahoma leaving now, our, our friend that used to be on this show that, you know, had good, you know, wardrobe, you know, hats and stuff, you know, we used to I used to argue with him last year about the Big Ten versus the Big 12. I'm a Big 12 guy. In fact, the Big 12 schedule came out, ironically, on Wednesday because they have a huge TV slots with big Mondays and things like that. It's mm-hmm. a big deal. This league is stacked. You've got a, t- a premier, you know, blue chipper, blue blood in Kansas leading the way in this league. But this is a league that – goes six seven deep you could finish six
0: national th- champions baylor
1: baylor just won the national title It's a great point oklahoma state has great history they just yeah. had the number one draft pick in cunningham going to the pistons henry iba i mean they have tremendous history in basketball there texas tech obviously just played for the national title a couple of years ago as a program i always say everybody is good here and i think let's it's not, a- let's not forget
0: houston who's joining with us yep Houston, July four, four.
1: So they're going to be
0: traditionally very good program out West Cincinnati. We know how good that they've been over the years.
1: That's correct. So this league is still going to be stacked. I think you look in the future right now, the big 12 is right with the big 10 and the ACC. Those are top three basketball leagues. And the big difference is as much as I like the American in the big 12, there are no East Carolinas. There's no teams in that bottom that just kill your net rankings. The big 12 is strong, which means, from a, a, a casual fan standpoint, box office, baby. Like, UCF will make money on this because you could double the prices of season tickets and be worth it because you're going to get great college basketball. Beyond the court, where we're, we're going to take our loves, boys. <laughs> we're we're going to take our loves a little bit. Be patient. UCF is the ECU now. Be very pal- – be patient. I think if you're UCF, what you got to hope for is that you f- look at the blueprint of Jamie Dixon at TCU, not a traditional basketball school. They're a football school. But he's won enough there to make postseason from time to time. He's made the NCAA. We all remember the NIT that they beat us in in 2017. They won the NIT title. To me, that's the blueprint for UCF. And the good news is you're in a league where if you finish sixth or seventh with a good non-conference, with a good resume, you can get into the tournament. Mm-hmm. In the American, you can never get in as a sixth or seventh place team, ever.
0: Um, women's basketball – I'm I'm interested in the gaps between the American and the Big Twelve in the various different sports. This is a big gap in women's hoops because you're going from the ninth RPI conference in 2021 to the number three conference. So this is a big jump for Coach Aven Company, isn't it?
1: It really is. Now they, the Big Twelve will get hurt by losing Texas. Uh, there. They will get hurt a little bit there, and even Oklahoma. Oklahoma has had a good women's basketball program there, so that's probably dipped slightly a little bit. Still, you've got Baylor there, although Baylor now, it's going to be interesting, because their head coach, Kim Mulkey, just left mm-hmm. to go to LSU, so will Baylor maintain its national title contender status under the new regime there? That remains to be seen, That, but you're right. It's still a strong league. Iowa State's good. Oklahoma State's good. West Virginia's good. I think UCF can compete much quicker, though, in the women's side than the men's side. And the reason I say that is the bottom of the Big 12 ain't so great either. Uh, They're better than the American, but I think the UCF, with Coach Abe, can compete at that level. Will they compete with a Baylor at the top? Probably not. But I do think they could be a top middle half team right away. The biggest issue, though, is size. And we're, that's going to be a theme as we get into this size, because as you get into these bigger conferences, the big difference is teams like Baylor have tremendous size. We think UCF has size. Wait till you see the big teams like Baylor have size. But I do think UCF, with the recruiting and the and they're going to get, will could probably compete. And I do think this, Jeff. I think this move. Kind of gets us a chance to exhale a little bit about whether Abe stays here long term or not, right? Because that was the big question: yeah. whether she stay long term. I think this move keeps her here so. for a while. I think, and you know that that's going to be interesting.
0: Some of the sports I think are uh, pretty interesting, Eric. That are not making quite as much of a jump aside. And I think that it, this it, it really ha- being in the American really has been a help to UCF because. The the American has improved significantly over time in baseball, in softball, and in volleyball. And as a result, when we talk about those RPI rankings, the jump isn't quite as much for baseball, softball, and volleyball. You know, for baseball, Big
1: Twelve is a number two conference. American is number five. All right. Whew. Baseball is like super league as well. And now they do again lose Texas. That hurts in baseball. Mm-hmm. But that brings them back toward where UCF is coming C- from. Correct. And But you still have TCU in the program. You got Texas Tech. They both have been World Series uh, programs. Oklahoma State has great tradition. West Virginia, believe it or not, is very good in baseball. Baylor's very good. This is a Super League. Here's the advantage, and I'm going to add softball to this, because, yes, softball loses a powerhouse in Oklahoma and Texas. However, with these additions, and keep in mind, baseball has Houston, which is good tradition in baseball as well. The thing that helps about these leagues is there's, there's not a, no, with all due respect, there's no Memphis in the Big Twelve. It comes to baseball and softball. Memphis right. has been a bottom team. So if you're a UCF in baseball or softball, for example, you could finish third or fourth in this league and not only make the NCAA tournament, but be in the contention to host, which yeah. has been a huge problem for both programs to be in that position to host, whether it be facility issues or just you know, G, you know, map. I think, and this is something that's here. Well, UCF's kind of been gypped, especially in softball, because Florida and Florida State always host in softball. UCF because FSU Miami and Florida host. By moving to the Big 12 and that added resume, I think baseball and softball, with with the renovations that I would expect, guys, to happen here in the next handful of years, because this is a must. That's the caveat here. Baseball and softball must, and baseball's kind of started that, but they both need facility upgrades. If they do that... Not only they could be in the mix in the Big 12 for contend, but they could be legit host uh, contenders if they're a postseason team. Yeah. Same thing with volleyball, too, because,
0: you know, obviously Texas is number one. They're the strongest team in the country right now. Um, right now. But every year they compete. Um, again, it comes back to the, the Big 12 losing them. But, you know, you still have some remaining strength of Kansas and Kansas State, Baylor and Iowa State, who've been perennially making the NCAA tournament. Again, this is a situation where you don't have to finish in the top one or two to make the NCAA in volleyball. You could finish fourth and make it. And I think that's a tremendous advantage. Um, And I think it's going to be really helpful getting BYU in there, who's been very strong in volleyball over the year. It's been a national seed at times. National seed at times. and, And we've seen the resurgence of Cincinnati still remains to be seen about what happens after Jordan Thompson, but you know Molly Alvey can coach. So I, I think that that's one thing that we're really interested in. The discussion gets really interesting around soccer, women's soccer, big boost for UCF going from the number nine to the number four conference, at least as of right now. Um, but we have something interesting to talk about with men's soccer, Eric Lopez, because the big 12 does not have men's No. Soccer that's kind of an issue (laughs) we need a home people well well, I asked Terry Mahajer during the 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 press conference you know what what's the plan for men's soccer right now because you know he's been rightfully very vocal about his um uh uh, his support of soccer at UCF and believes and has said told the board of trustees that he believes that UCF um he, he believes in the concept of the football campus uh as well, where, uh, you know, UCF can contend for national championships year in and year out in women's and men's soccer. Well, on the women's side, obviously we talked about, it's no, uh, you know, that's no problem. Obviously. Now you have the main contenders are uh, West Virginia and TCU who are pretty good. Oklahoma state, Texas tech, also very good. Um, but in the men's side, there's only one school that's actually in the big 12 that sponsors men's soccer. That's West Virginia. They just moved to Conference USA from the MAC. Um, now, all of e- Florida's Division I men's soccer programs are either in the American, Conference USA, or the A-Sun, okay? Not going to the A-Sun. All right, good. The deal is, basically, UCF men's soccer is going to have to find a home in some other league as an associate member. And Terry Mahajer talked about that. He said, once, basically, his idea was once the – I's are dotted and T's are crossed with the larger big 12 deal because they still have to actually negotiate the terms. All right. Then the process is going to begin for UCF to find a home for men's soccer. Uh, So where do you go? Well, you got a couple options. You can stay in the American, which is a pretty good soccer league. Only has six schools in it, but has been strong, particularly recently with you with, especially with SMU, Tulsa is getting a little bit better as well. We'll see if they can sustain that. Or you could go back to an old friend, Conference USA. FAU and FIU are currently there now. No word on whether or not they might move to the American, but, of course, that's one of those things that ends up being a possibility. I don't know, Eric. What do you think that uh, would happen here? The Amer- Remember, the American was fourth in the nation in Conference RPI in uh, uh, right. last, uh, last season, and that was with having lost two teams,
1: UConn and Cincinnati. You're right. The problem to kind of for it's too murky to kind of forecast this because we don't know who's coming to the American for all sports here in the next couple of years. The American is going to have a counter here to losing UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati. So who do they bring in? Do those teams that bring in have men's soccer? Do they not? So I think you're right. I think UCF men's soccer is going to end up either in the American or Conference USA. They're two top six leagues in men's soccer. Mm-hmm. The question is, which spot is willing to give them that invite? is the American try to keep them uh, and then return, try to you know move over, or do they add so many teams that UCF finds a spot in Conference USA that's left by somebody that went to the American for other sports. That's, Mind you, by mur- the way,
0: Kentucky and South Carolina have men's soccer. There is no SEC men's soccer either. Correct. They play in Conference USA. And Conference USA has the defending
1: national champions in Marshall too. Correct. So I think it's confusing, which is not great when recruiting standpoint. However, those two options I think will be there for UCF. I think they'll still be in a top six men's soccer league. Uh, what's fascinating about it is the TV rights could be fascinating on this regard. Cause if you want to watch UCF men's soccer, what if they're in, let's say they're in conference USA. Well, conference USA doesn't have an ESPN deal. So what does that mean? Where can I watch UCF soccer? This is some of the stuff that the sec schools have had to deal with uh, Kentucky. You mentioned and South Carolina mother. So some murky questions, it's going to be take a little while. We're going to have to be a little patient to, to kind of let the dust settle. Once we know what the American is going to do, as far as expanding with who, which schools they expand with, I think we'll have a much clearer idea where UCF men's soccer will end up.
2: Well, I, I'd like to point out real quick uh, yeah. that, that uh, Terry Mahajer did say he preferred to stay in the American. Of course, of course. Uh, which was his initial answer to, to Jeff's question, as well as, as the fact of, you know, as you said yourself, you know, UCF still negotiating. The Americans going to move pretty quick because they too have to have that window for negotiating as well as exit period from whatever conference these other schools are coming from. Uh, it may happen pretty quick, and it's probably going to be a you know not really a big deal to find a new homes from a time standpoint because they're probably going to know what the landscape is going to look like sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously I agree. The, I agree. The, the American is a lot more attractive aside from the strength of the conference, from a media standpoint, uh, the accessibility, we've seen it, we're, we're living it. Um, you know, men's soccer, is very accessible through ESPN plus uh, that deal for this, that program too. It yeah. Really has and, been. and, and despite what, what people have said about the, the media deal, the American media deal, from an exposure standpoint, is fantastic. Absolutely Ask fantastic. Ask
1: every school in Conference USA in the Mountain West outside of Boise right now if they would take it. They would say oh, yes, they would take it.
2: It's an absolute wasteland when it comes to their exposure. I mean, ESPN yeah. Tier 3 yeah. coverage is so valuable. I, yes. I think that's got to be a major sticking point for, for UCF to push – to stay in the American, aside from the fact that right now there's only six programs, so but major sticking point.
1: Price. I think it's still also a big sticky, a big point to follow in this new P- Big Twelve TV contract when that comes up. I do think this too, real quick. I don't get a sense, and I could be proven wrong on this. I think Mike Oresco and Terry Mahajer have a good relationship. I, I even though they may, you know, I don't sense animosity like I did with UConn. When UConn was yeah. complaining and, oh, what about SNY and our basketball cry, and cry We're like such a snobby school. We could be an independent in football here at yorkie Way. Um, anyway, um, I think there's a good relationship here. And it wouldn't surprise me, guys, right? And part of the negotiations for like, let's say UCF to get to the Big 12 in 2023. Part of the negotiations is, hey, we, we keep men's soccer here. You know, for right. I mean, that's that's probably going to be we're probably going to know once they reach that deal one way or the other.
2: Well, I mean, UConn's even their president was so brazen in the fact that they really didn't want to be in the American. I mean, none of the other schools that have left the other four have. Yeah, that UConn basketball
1: now. has really lit it, lit it up since joining the Big East. Nice job. Well, clowns. I mean,
2: the Big East conference has been kind of soft and they've kind of waltzed right through it, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, the, that the, football the ch- powerhouse though man oh, i mean man. Man, fcs schools laugh at them but it, but uh, it was remember
1: <laughs> guys it was the
0: americans fault that uconn couldn't recruit exactly oh, yeah
2: yeah Yeah. Wow. just you know ask syracuse how that northeast has worked out for, for whoa Wisconsin. wow tell no, you exactly why, how why are you going after jeffrey there don't go well, Bobby, but it's true though it's true though. It's, um
0: hashtag you know, facts i mean it's, I, I, it's, I will say they
2: got him it's, That's true. It's a true statement. It's a true statement. But but the other thing is, the other four, I, I think, have acted with uh, a lot more grace and professionalism. Yeah, the American and Mike Rusko are disappointed because they're losing a lot, but there doesn't seem to be any, you know, open animosity uh, between the schools. And, and I think that'll help you need to be playing nice. Will, yeah. you, you play by you,
0: except for except for maybe except for maybe Cincinnati with that flag that well was yeah, I think, I oh, think that not. might have
2: started to to set the the rope on that bridge big of huge
0: yikes on that I one,
2: yeah ooh. you can put it on the board and say yeah we're excited but I mean, ooh, ooh ooh, that was yeah
1: that, I, I, I want to make a real quick point I think women's soccer has the best chance to be the first to win a big 12 title of all the programs and I very be, strong well, because they're strong. And I, even though the Big 12, I think, is like the Big 12's top is not necessarily that much better than a Memphis or South Florida. Where they're better is at the bottom, obviously. Their bottom teams are better than the bottom teams, of the American. But I, the point is UCF can, is used to competing with teams that are similar at the top of the Big 12. So I think they will have a quicker chance in the first couple of years to challenge for a conference championship of the sports that we have brought up.
2: And and inversely, um, bat, men's basketball, I think, has the most work um, yeah. by a mile to, but, to have to. Then,
1: but I wanna that does not mean Johnny do- Johnny Dawkins is safe, he's fine, don't start they with that nonsense. That's a they, strong rightfully that's and, and a I think and, and, to
0: do, but and, I believe he's gotten ahead head that work with the recruiting. And he
1: yeah, has experience true. coaching at a power five league. He's coaching a P five right. league. His contract's through 2025, as is Coach A, by the way. So real quick.
0: Uh UCF rowing will be in a conference with alabama
1: yeah finally
0: tennis eric uh john roddick makes his return where he was the head coach at oklahoma for seven seasons of course he won't be playing against oklahoma but um knows his way around the big 12 uh quite well uh women's tennis is uh is pretty solid with baylor texas tech and oklahoma state all made the ncaa tournament golf big 12 usually very strong oklahoma state in particular on both sides um, and then, of course, track and field cross-country. This is one where I think it's going to get really interesting because um, their biggest boost in track and field uh, is going to come from Houston joining, joining the conference.
1: No so, doubt. No doubt. Because right, uh, Roy no
0: Burrell, that's a machine that he has over there at Houston. But, and, yeah, but uh, I agree. Got them competing against Iowa State and Oklahoma State. A really good cross-country programs also in uh, in, uh, in the Big 12 so that should be Well, a Dana
1: time. Boone was an associate coach at Texas Tech so she knows the Big yeah. 12 well and Go that's ahead, some Drew. of the interesting storylines
2: there. So so riddle me this Batman uh, with the increase in in expected revenue and and the increase in competition do you see UCF starting to look into adding a sport like a men's track and field perhaps? Mm-hmm. I
0: know that that's always been something that fans have always been talking about on, you know, for you know, have brought up time and time again. I mean, as a fan speaking as a fan, I think that would be a blast to see personally. Um, there's still a lot of, you know, ex- I, I still think that there's going to be ripple effects post COVID that UCF is going to have to deal with. Um, it would be cool. I mean, cool. one of the things
2: about, about UCF setup is they currently run – they currently – well, I shouldn't say run. They currently uh, have the lowest amount – number of men's sports allowed in Division right. One. So, I mean, there, there's definitely potential to grow. But obviously, there's a laundry list of stuff. Know, UCF has run. a lot of debt that has to be paid yeah. off. There's a lot of ambitious facility plans. Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot. So, I mean, this wouldn't be a tomorrow decision. But uh, I mean, this this would definitely be a down a, a hey. probably near term down the road discussion once once you know things have kind of stabilized. Yeah. Obviously, you don't know what the media deals are going to be. You don't know what the incoming revenue is going to be. Granted, it's going to be a major shot in the arm compared to what UCF is currently getting. Uh, but you know, there's still a lot of lot of variables as, as you said. Uh, but there's an appetite. You know, there's been recruits, you know, football recruits that have wanted to be able to run track in the spring a lot of speed search but they can't so they end up some of them go elsewhere as a result that's uh, had probably a material effect uh, you, you want to be able to to have that opportunity you know the facilities are already there you know it, it's it becomes uh, a regulatory thing you know you know, make sure that your, your scholarship numbers work out with Title IX. And if you have to add a women's sport, well, there's more expense there to be able to do it. It's going to run you probably a few hundred thousand dollars a year to run the sport. Um, travel costs, you know, uh, personnel. Man, Drew, Drew's on fire. Drew's
1: on <laughs> yeah. fire tonight. He wants to get involved <laughs> in, the, in the jerseys and adding team sports. I mean, good Lord. What does he
0: need us for? Jeez. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Two quick things on this. John Roddick could potentially win a big 12 championship with two different programs in the, in the for the same league Oklahoma and UCF it gotta be quirky I think tennis can win the big 12 right away both men and women right away and if you talk about adding sports hey how about wrestling that's pretty big in the big 12 and we just had a UCF alum a half a second away from winning the NXT title
2: this week I mean huh? I, I happen huh? to be a, a high school wrestler who was a letterman I mean I would love to see wrestling back in forth. there's only one school one university in the state of Florida that has NCAA wrestling. And I bet you, you can't guess who it is. Say that again. Oh, wow. Hmm.
1: One in the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. Who we got? I don't know. You got me on this. Really?
2: Uh, Jeff, do you, do you have a guess?
0: I got nothing, man.
2: Uh, it's, <laughs> it's Florida. It's, it's Florida uh Memorial. Well, See, i no
3: yeah,
1: whenever never get it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, without, I only follow WWE and AEW and NXT. That's all wrestling. Although, shout out Johnny Rouse, UCF Hall of Famer, when UCF used to have wrestling back in the early 70s. Yeah. yeah. All right.
0: We're going to take a break. We'll come back. Bryson Turner is going to join us, update us on the Olympic sports that are going on right now.
1: We love you, Cal Bloom. <laughs> Cal, yes.
0: Shout-out to Cal Blue, making, again, <laughs> popping up on uh, – on And your
1: next. new name.
0: Going for a title, too. Anyway, we'll, t- we'll hit up some of that stuff, and we'll talk with Bryson about what went on over the weekend after this. Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, don't go away. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff, Drew, and Eric with you. Joining us now, Bryson Turner, who's been keeping an eye on the Olympic sports for UCF, as he always does. Make sure you read his nightcap, which comes out – Every Monday, uh, recapping the weekend that was in UCF sports. Bryson, how are you? Welcome back. Good to see. How you, you. doing, gentlemen? We uh, let's start with women's soccer because they had a good weekend, but not as good as it could have been. Uh, first of all, I went up to Oxford and just put the smackdown on Ole Miss, three zip. Uh, came back home. They were scheduled to play uh, number two North Carolina on Sunday, but. The game got underway. Carolina took the lead, but the game was declared a no contest because once again, weather reared its ugly head. What happened?
3: Yeah, I, it was like, it's, it was basically the team's biggest game of the season. Tiffany Roberts to hate it going up against their alma mater, going for win. Number two against number two. I put out that whole tweet, hyping it all up. And then mother nature decides, you know what? Let's not do this. So, um, in the end, I, uh, me and Eric talked about this. I think that uh, it, we don't know if this could impact how UCF's rank is perceived. They did go up three spots, but who knows if it could have been more if the North Carolina game got played and perhaps we 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 won it. But with the way the game started, it was not looking like good in the team's favor in the beginning with the, with with the goal and about. Thirteen uh, goal buried shortly after the game began and it was quite the goal let me tell you uh it was abby allen if i recall correctly and it was based and he, she basically nailed it right for right from the pass to the goal and i was like that's a goal a, a number two team in the country makes and so i i think in the end uh we, we're not really sure how it would have played out but you know, Mother Nature is what it is. And we just, you know, we just kind of have to roll with it here in Florida. So we'll see what happens. We have the Ole Miss game and we moved up in the rankings anyway. So you just only can control what you can't control.
0: And conference play starts this Thursday with Houston already. Yes. At Houston. So uh, right now, they're uh, four and two women's soccer is as, as they begin conference. They have one more non conference game Sunday against Stetson and they, and that's at home. So that's their next. Home game as well. What do you think, Eric? I mean, they were down. Let's say that score held up. Do they catch a break in the RPI by not having a loss in there?
1: You know, it's kind of counterproductive. North Carolina would have added to the st- strength of schedule, but to your point, you know, you wouldn't have had a loss. Carolina smoked, by the way, like Florida, 7 0. To give you a comparison, sure. how good they are, they're a national title. I mean, so many people believe they're a national title favorite. Uh, But look, the good news for women's soccer is they have a win against Penn State. Ole Miss is a good win. Uh, The belief is that the schedule strength is strong enough as it is. So I think actually they'll be okay from that standpoint. You would have liked to have gotten a result against Carolina. That could have made a big difference there. But the good news is Chris Henderson, who covers women's soccer in depth, uh, it, it pretty much he covers women's soccer like I covered softball in and in, inside out. He has in his RPI mock because he he knows the formula for the RPI in women's soccer. UCF's actually in the top 12 in the RPI, according to Chris Henderson. So they're in good shape up until this point. It's about taking care of business in conference play. And it starts with Houston. All right. Uh, men's
0: soccer, on the other hand, they had another offensive explosion over uh the week six goals against florida gulf coast. Now granted FGCU is 03 and 1 but Alessandro Campoy was the star. Four goals uh that di- didn't set a new school record. In fact, I don't think it even tied one, right? Hecky Riffin had a had a couple five-goal games uh for UCF, but that's still some history out there. Um Bryson and it is exactly what UCF needed because you know right now they're two and three having you know after coming off the two straight losses to Virginia Tech and NC State as they head into conference play now with Memphis uh, heading to Memphis on Saturday so um, quick recap of that Florida Gulf Coast game because you know that was that was an offensive uh, onslaught
3: like you said in the uh, in in your piece yes yes it was we basically comp compoy just got it right out of the way early in the fourth minute uh he would score again in the 26th minute and he got the hat trick in the first half yeah i mean i have never seen that seen that play out and i was just thinking like well okay then and then he just comes back out in the second half and he ends up scoring again in the 60th minute also under also very understated because of Compoy's hist- uh, historic uh, historic match. But Luca Dorado scored two goals in this match, right. too. So, the interestingly
0: two- enough, sorry to interrupt. Uh, Dorado coming into that game had three goals, he now has five on the year. Uh, Compoy had none, he now has four. He's second on the team.
3: <laughs> oh, yes. This team has done quite well offensively. Let me tell you that. And you mentioned Heike Rittenen. And I will say this, even though Kampoy did not break any records, this type of offensive performance in a single match by one player has not been seen since 1998. And uh, kind of an interesting stat, uh, Heike Rittenen is the only UCF player in history to score exactly four goals in a single match. He did it twice. He did it twice. So I, I, so he, so camp compoy becomes the second player to do that. And even then he joins the pantheon of hike of he, of hikey Ripinen and of, of, what was it? Roy Francois. Ronnie Cal Francois, Jennings, UCF Hall of Famer. Yeah,
0: Cal he, Jennings also. Need, Cal never had a four goal game, right? No, now. he had a bunch he of hat, tricks. He, hat just, tricks. he just yeah. he just
1: chilled with a bunch of hat tricks and like no, like yeah. he, he no so, Randy, <laughs> did, Randy so, so, was the
0: third one. All right, Bryson volleyball. Uh, good weekend this past weekend. They got they went two and one. Um, beat Florida Gulf Coast in four. Thrilling match on Friday that I got to call uh, uh, against uh, Florida State that went five. um, And we thought it was historic at that point with uh, McKenna Melville, who had 27 kills, which tied a career high and set a new career high with 28 digs. Um, But, and a big win for UCF, no doubt. But then the next day they come up against Georgia. Now UCF loses the match uh, in five and it went, and it went beyond 15, went to overtime, basically 16, 14 in the fifth. Uh, But, the the, again McKenna was the star she had she set a new career high in that one with 30 kills uh including three aces uh to go along with it but still UCF just couldn't quite get over the hump in that fifth set they were right there with them um still I think you you know even though their record right now stands at three and five I think they got to be really happy with you know, where this is looking right now. What did you see this weekend from the team as they get ready for uh, a little road tournament, uh, staying in the Sunshine State
3: um, before conference play? I think that the rest of the team it, it, need, re, it needs to be able to aid McKenna Melville. I think really the key to this game or the key to this tournament, the key to the to team's whole season is that, they need to be able to come to McKenna Melville's aid because I pretty much in every loss in this team I've seen is that McKenna Melville absolutely dominates and the the rest of the team isn't able to keep up if you look at the at the Georgia game for example McKenna Melville has 30 kills and then the next player that the the second the player with the second most kill during that game McKenzie Chambers with nine I mean McKenna Melville Absolutely amazing, amazing athlete. There was a reason why she was night of, night of the, one of the nights of the week this week. Career, setting career highs in over the span of 20, just under 24 hours. Absolutely amazing. But the the rest of this team needs to be able to be able to aid her, aid her, because otherwise, I don't, I don't know how, because McKenna Melville can't do it all herself. Well, I mean, we saw some of that in the Florida State match, right? I
0: mean, Anne-Marie Watson had uh, 11 kills. Tally Marmon had 14. I thought the real star of that match was Catherine Weslitz, who had seven kills on 13 swings and no errors. Uh, and if that's a 538 hitting percentage, which is astronomical, she was, you know, it, she was able to pick her spots really nicely, and that's that's what I thought was real was the real key there. Um, you're right; that is an ongoing key for UCF is how do we, um, you know, keep McKenna's right arm from falling off by the middle of conference play but um you know but but again you know sometimes you just gotta you just gotta let McKenna cook especially when you're playing a big opponent like Georgia um you know you know and we were I, and I think we'll probably see see them sort of work on some more things to diversify the game as we get to non-conference play of course they have the um, they have the upcoming tournament. Miami on Thursday, 10 a.m. This is down at FAU Arena. So you night fans down in Boca might want to check this out. And then uh, 5 p.m. Thursday against Florida Gulf Coast before they p- take on FAU at 11 a.m. And then a week off before they're back home for the home opener on the 24th, the conference home opener, I should say, against ECU. So a rematch of um, Florida
3: Gulf Coast. Nice. Handed that. Two of them to it against the first
0: law, we hand- Which we've seen enough of them. I mean, good <laughs> Uh, I, I mean I, I can't even you know they they golly they they're so they they punch above their weight class so well that's that's why they're incredible they're so well coached um and plus they have all the all these players that we thought would be gone from them like um courtney van lu and, and all them
1: they all came back as graduate students this year
0: like what Dad. is that?
1: Jeff's having bad memories right now. I'm really, re- I on. really yeah. am. I'm, we better I'm, move I'm, on. I don't. You're gonna, you're gonna lose. So, they you're, were whatever. supposed to graduate like, yeah. like two years ago, yeah. and now here
0: they are, all are back.
1: Darn it!
3: They're a good program, Jeff. They rebuild. Oh, they reload. They. How dare, They're dare they? are
0: rebuilding. They're not reloading. They keep bringing back the same players. The extra COVID works. year is a
3: blessing and a curse, my friend. It works <sighs> anyway. <laughs> Uh so keep an eye out for those three matches.
0: I think if I think there's a very good chance UCF could come out of that weekend 3-0, by the way.
2: Yeah. I well, think the goal is you want to
1: have momentum going into conference play. All the yeah. you know, that's the key here. You want to have momentum here going into conference play. You're gonna defend your title. You know you're gonna be a target once conference starts, because everybody's gonna be a bull, you're gonna be the bullseye because you're the defending champion. So, you know, they got
2: a... Multi-time's over, I might add. <clears throat> exactly.
1: Miami right now, 7-0. and
0: um, They beat USF in Tampa twice. Um, but other than that, they swept Alabama. They've only lost one set all year, and that was to USF in Tampa. So, um, wow. but I think they're getting a much different test with UCF this time around. So that'll be 10 a.m. on Thursday. Uh, Even one uh, the team that lost... Yeah, I know. Uh, cross-country. Bryson, you were really excited about this, and, and I can't blame you. on the uh, During the Mountain Dew Invitational at Gainesville,
3: we have a new star in cross-country, don't we? Yes, we do. And guess what? she is a freshman well technically a registered freshman eligibility wise and that is valerie lastra uh she already holds records for the fastest 5k and 6k run by a freshman and now she can add to her belt the fastest 4k run in school history a record that has stood since 1998 there's that year again and I, w- I, was, I was just amazed to see, to see that a record that has stood for so long. I mean, when you look at the cross-country record book, I, it, it, it was in my tweet that when I first reported this, all of them are from the 21st century, pretty much from the 21st century. So, and Panaggio's record has held for this long, and now Valerie Lastra has come in and broken it. Um, also, yeah. team also team wise, the UCF team in general finished second in the Mountain Dew Invitational. Their second runner up finish of the season, and now they are ranked number thirteen in the South Region, which is the according to UCF Athletics, it's the first time they've been ranked since 2016.
0: Not too bad. She was the uh, American, and by the way. Valerie was the. Um, american freshman of the year in 2020 2021 uh and i mean we saw how good that she could be but that, now she's starting to smash overall records and i think that's that's fun to see and hey we might see some some real noise from cross country here in the fall uh, from was- Moder academy in, in miami nonetheless eric another miami kid can't go
1: wrong down there and uh, look go wrong Coach right. Brian Brian Jackson, salute to him. He runs cross country. Uh, Dana Boone lets him run the cross country. He's in charge of the long distance, and uh, it's paid off off to a great start here for the for this program. And remember, the conference championship will be in Lakeland in late October. Huge thanks to Bryson.
0: It's Bryson Turner on Twitter. Make sure you follow, uh, or, or you hit up hit us up on Mondays for our night cap, where we donate, where where we uh, uh, give some time to. Uh, the best UCF performances for over the weekend in the Olympic sports and pass out the night of the week of which we had three Valerie Lostra uh, as well as um,
3: Alessandro Campoy, Alessandro
0: Campoy and, and McKenna Melville. So Bryson, thank you. By the way, before we go, Eric Lopez, big props to you. Yeah. Cal Bloom, your boy. That's right made another made, made a uh a, a, they got they first of all they got a they've got a gimmick for him it looks like
1: new name it's now new he's name. now von wagner von, von wagner, wagner. Now, <laughs> now we know cal
0: former ucf tight end uh and drew is laughing hysterically now uh the, now we're wrestling
2: school now drew cal has i used to watch wrestling when i was younger
0: <laughs> a, a a history a family history in wrestling Yes. Right? So this is no surprise,
1: really. It isn't at all. So how did he perform in the match in NXT? Well, this is significant. It's kind of a surprise. NXT has kind of redone their show. It's back to being more developmental. There's been a lot of news recently. They like to go more younger, bigger guys, you know, and stuff like that. So they did a new show, and Cal debuted. He's been on the show, but more like a security guy and things like that. And if you've read Black and Gold Banneret over the past – he made a, even a TV debut a year ago during the the pandemic in SmackDown when he got beat up by Sheamus in a match. But now he Those shows. Bumps, up, man, that was that was quite right. brutal. But he shows up in this show because one of the guys in the main event of the title match, Kyle O'Reilly, gets beat jumped from behind. Gets jumped from behind by two guys backstage. Who comes to the aid and rescue? Von Wagner. So as a result, the commissioner, William Regal, inserts him into the title match. Now, my old co- our old co-host right now is laughing and just pulling his hair over the name Vaughn Wagner, and I agree. But nonetheless, so he gets into the title match, and he comes within a half second of winning the NXT title. Like, if he would have won that, we would have had an emergency night shift, I think, <laughs> and just breaking it down. I don't uh, doubt it. He they, he loses the match. T- T- Tommaso Ciampa wins the title, but he doesn't get pinned. So what that means, though, and in all seriousness, in the big picture, is he's going to be a player now in, in part of the NXT uh, brand here that they clearly have big plans. It's been reported Vince McMahon has been a big fan of his. He was a fan of his dad yep. and his dad Wayne
0: Bloom, who if you're yep. an old time old time wrestling fan, you know was active from '88 to about '99 correct Uh was in the WWF from 91 to 93 WCW 1990 and um, went under uh, he was uh, briefly known as Bo Beverly if that yep. name rings a bell and the sports agent and now he's passed the torch on to onto Cal slash von Wagner and he's been Vaughn one of their top Wagner
1: von Wagner he's now von Wagner he's one of the bigger prospects and he's kind of been forgotten a little bit from a UCF standpoint because all the attention has been on Parker Boudreaux, or as he now is known as Harlan. That's his new name he has debuted. So Not Kevin Harlan. No, just Harlan. Because they like what names. So that tells me that he's probably close to debuting on NXT. Usually when you get a character name, you're pretty close to debuting. So, but hey, man, it's good for him. That's a big step. Gets into a title match. There's controversy whether that was a good, you know, that it was a good idea, bad idea. Who knows? But that tells you... He's going to be a part of this brand-new NXT direction that they're headed uh, over there. And uh, hopefully it works out for him. So uh, I think we could have two major UCF alums as major players in professional wrestling here for the next few years.
0: Hey, congrats to Cal slash Vaughn. Um, you know, I he gets it. You know, I, I think, you know, because obviously his dad was in the business. So I think he understands, you know, the, the level of commitment that it takes. I'm not saying that, that, you know, I'm not comparing him to Parker Boudreau and I'm not saying Parker doesn't, Um, but I, you know, he's, he's one of those guys who, you know, I, he could be a real workhorse for them. So I'm really Well, he's happy. got the
1: bloodlines. He's got the yeah. bloodlines. He signed with WWE in 2019. You actually wrote about that a couple of years right. ago. People might be right. surprised that you actually wrote a wrestling article for Banneret at one point.
0: I wouldn't call it a wrestling article. It was more of a football article with a wrestling angle, <laughs> but okay.
1: Wrestling sites picked it up. So you were on wrestling sites. Uh, Parker signed yeah. obviously earlier this year. Yes, it did. Congrats. You're part of the dirt sheet. The dirt yeah. sheet, baby. So anyway, right. so that's cool. You-
0: so, uh, all right. So that, I think that's going to wrap it up for us tonight, guys. I think right? Actually, we should come gonna... up with the character names for us. No. No? no that's okay. I, I, I'm i satisfied that John Alba gave me a finishing move. We'll I think, call, what was we'll it? We'll
2: Jeff the voice.
0: Hey, so he uh, Apparently, John Alba said that my finishing move would be called the end of days. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I like that. Wow. I like that a lot. Thank you, John Alba, who is no longer going to be at Spectre News 13. No, he's now doing John. independent
1: wrestling among we're other We're gonna things. miss
0: you. We're, we're gonna miss you, John. It's uh, best of luck, and please don't stray too far uh, from us on Twitter. But uh, yeah, it's been a blast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter as well. And by the way, it's Bryson Turner, Eric Lopez, Elo. Stat boy Drew, Jeff underscore Sharon. You can also follow Black and Gold Banneret at UCF underscore banneret, facebook.com slash black and gold banneret. And of course, black and gold where we are, UCF's home on the SB Nation Network. We'll be previewing the Louisville game coming up uh, uh the game, of course, is Friday night. Drew's got a lot of stuff on tap. So do I. We got the night uh, shift after the game, Drew. Night shift after the game don't forget also busy we have a round <laughs> no weather delays
1: please no weather delays
0: yeah no weather. i don't think no i think we'll be fine for weather no, it's don't worry be warm game's up, in there. florida yeah <laughs> don't have to worry about rain up there um we got a lot to uh we,
3: we got our round table coming up out as well uh in the next couple of days i also say thank you to the fans for making the last week's night shift with me and jeremy the most watched night shift ever by the way
1: not ever, no, whoa not ever, not ever. This guy's trying to oh, put boy. himself Bryce, over. We what you
3: just triggered, Eric? You just you you did one of those. Oh, over. I, do I, I, do, I double checked, and I missed something.
1: Yeah, this call when Gus Malzahn got hired—that was the most down Oh well, post game, post game.
2: Oh well, Drew, you're, he's, that's trash
1: talk, Drew. No,
2: no, I'm hamming this guy up. You know, he's he's young and hungry. We want that. We need that.
1: So what you're saying is if this goes into a weather delay at 2 a.m., it's Bryson's show is what well, you're saying.
2: Well, it's funny you should mention the weather delay. When we when I went upstairs to the press box for, for Saturday's game, uh, a couple people were talking about wondering if there was going to be more lightning. I turned around and I said, you don't bring that voodoo magic here and look what happened.
0: <laughs> so, Jason <laughs> beat the Orlando
2: Sentinel's witness to it.
0: <laughs> wow. Don't put that on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's a black magic right there.
0: If, uh, if you subscribe to our podcast, of course, thank you so much. Please be sure to leave us a rating on whatever platform you listen to us. If you don't, um, please do subscribe to us. We are available on Apple Podcasts and we are also available on Spotify if you're an Android user or wherever you get your podcasts on Android uh, as well. Also don't forget to tell any of your UCF friends about us. We really do appreciate it. We continue to grow. We are not only UCF's oldest continuously running podcast. We are also the fastest growing, and we have you, the fans, to thank for that. So, for all of us here at Flag and Gold Banneret, Drew Glikoff, Eric Lopez, Bryson Turner, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you for listening. Enjoy the game on Friday night. Go Knights. Charge on. See you.